Hello, good morning. How are you guys? All right, uh, today we're going to be in Luke 12. Um, we're going to do uh, about uh, 14 verses. And let me just tell you, um, the purpose of today is action. The purpose of today is conviction, not condemnation, which is a big thing that you need to know the difference of. Condemnation is you're not worthy, you cannot overcome this. Conviction is I'm aware of something that needs to change and I need to change. God convicts us all the time. Um, It's where we're willing to do something about it. So, um, we're going to have a moment of, after I say all that, we're going to have a moment of confession Let the fear rise in people. I'm just kidding. This is a safe place. Um, who here, and, and you can raise your hand, okay? I typically ask questions to tell you not to raise your hand. It's a safe place, remember? Who here struggles with procrastination? Okay, okay. Uh, you can be honest because the people around you that know you and love you, they know. This isn't a hidden thing. This isn't something like, oh, I'm not sure if I do or not. You either do or you either don't. So my truth is this has been my struggle at times. I'm not quite sure when it started, but definitely in school. And I think it got worse every year of grade school, middle school, high school. Because the thought was, I'll get it done, which I typically do. But... The stress of literally putting things off to the last minute. I had this class in college, and literally it was the easiest class that you could take. There was like ten quizzes you could take on a computer. I had to go to a computer lab back then. You know, it wasn't as high tech. And you had to take these ten tests. You could take them the first day of school, pass them, and never go back to class again. And you've, you've, you've passed the class. You know what he said? He waited and finished all ten quizzes in about four days, which I could have done at the beginning of the semester and never have gone back to that class again. And the cool thing about the quizzes, you could take them as many times as you wanted until you passed the ten. So low pressure, but I waited till the last week to make sure that I get those done. And I, I honestly, I had... <laughs> nightmares for years to come i remember them recently of of getting to the end of semesters and not remembering where classes were and forgot that i forgot to go to a class for like the whole year and now it's the end of the semester it's a nightmare that i have okay the thought is honestly when we're in that mode of procrastination is that i'm in control and i have plenty of time which is a lie that we all live in in our current life, is that I have plenty of time. I can fix it later until it happens. It's all right. It's no big deal. Our kids say it all the time to parents, all the parents out there. You know, let's see who's in the room. Is any of my kids here? (laughs) Uh, You know, the trash argument often is like, hey, go take out the trash. I'll get it later. And you know what happens the next day when you come in? The trash is still sitting there. I did read this one article of this, uh, or it was a book, and it was talking to a parent, and they are having this argument with the um, daughter about taking out the trash. And 
Um, they finally, you know, kind of had a conversation with her. She agreed, this is my responsibility. We're not going to, this used to wake her up and fight in the morning. This isn't my kids, okay? And so they finally said, we're not going to argue with you anymore. This is your responsibility. Here's the, con- there will be consequences if you don't do it. And um, she's like, all right. They didn't remind her the night before. She forgot the garbage. Um, they didn't fight with her. They didn't yell at her. They just put all the garbage in her room. And it sat there until the next week when the garbage came and picked up. Parents, use it. It's not my idea. <laughs> Go for it. She was like, why are you doing this? And they're like, everything has consequences. <clears throat> so what I want to do today is we're going to go and venture into a section of Luke 12 and see what Jesus thinks about a lifestyle, specifically in devotion to him, that is uh, riddled with procrastination. And so my one thing that I want you here today, my little statement is today, not tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, but you are guaranteed right now. Because you are living and breathing in this current moment. Let's pray. Jesus, as we open your word, as we hear words that you literally spoke to your disciples, I pray that we would hear them, that we would take them to heart, that we would put off ways (laughs) and lifestyles of putting off things, specifically things that you've asked us to do, specifically things that you've asked us to step away from. But, Lord, I pray that we would be diligent today in being uh, people that honor you with our lives, people that honor you with what we give you, what we do for you, uh, and how we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. See, procrastinating homework and chores is one thing, but it's different when it comes to a calling or a life that God has called you to. And everyone in this room that calls themselves a follower of Jesus as a calling. That calling may not be professionally, meaning you may not ever enter into a paid position as being a pastor, but every single disciple has a mission. Every single disciple has a work that God has called you to. Let me, I I like to hear, before we jump into verse 35, I like to kind of give you an idea of where he's come through. And he's teaching so much in this um, this whole chapter, is, for those that have the red letters in your Bible, this whole chapter is almost red letters, things that he's sharing with them. It starts off um, warning them of the, the leaven of the Pharisees, this, this, this thing that the Pharisees, is it, they've missed Jesus, and it's just be careful of the, the leaven. And leaven, for those that don't know, that you don't make bread, it's this little thing that makes the bread rise. And if you put just a little bit in it, it'll work its way through the whole bread. And that's what he's talking about. Be wary of the things and the teachings of these Pharisees because it'll work into your whole life. He also goes into talking about acknowledging Christ before people, that if we don't acknowledge Christ before people, that he won't acknowledge us. Which I think in the days and years to come will be a challenge. I know we have it very easy and That's relative, of course, but across the world, we have it very easy as far as it goes to Christianity. We we can pretty freely, as you can see, we're renting a public building, meeting here, praying, um, talking about the scriptures. And I'm not prophetically saying, but at some point that will end and we won't have that right. But right now we do. 
Um, we also has this very interesting parable of the rich fool, the person that has a bumper crop of a year, and he thinks, what am I going to do? And so he tears down his old barns and builds new barns, and he shoves them filled with all this extra grain that he got out of this good year. And he thinks to himself, I'm okay now. And then he dies. And all the things that he'd stored up and all the things that he put his hope in, what does it matter? Because he's not here anymore. And after this, and this probably is a section that lots of us in this room should probably commit to memory and should study and research and hear the words of Jesus to us over and over again. Jesus tells his disciples to not be anxious. Almost preach this. It was either this section or the section that I'm going to, but he tells them not to worry. We are a worrying people. I don't know if you've seen the statistics, and this is not a judgment on anybody that takes any medication for anxiety, but we, we're, we're a worried people. And here Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. I'm going to take care of you. I love you. And then I want to start with the last verse of that section. Because I think it's appropriate to start in before we get into verse 35. Verse 34, he tells them, he says, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So my question before you today is, where is your treasure? Because you will serve your treasure. Actually, your work and effort and energy that you spend on every waking moment that you have is pointing to the treasure that you have. You may not think that, but think about it for a minute. What do you do with your living, active time? And what is that pointing others to? If we never heard you say one word about the gospel, you never preached anything, you never said the name of Jesus, would people be aware that your treasure children of God, is Him. So now we get into uh, Luke, chapter 12, verse 35 through 48. 35 says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from a wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. The old text would say loins girded. For those King James people out there. Lloyd, I keep saying Lloyd. Loins. Um, Just so you understand, picture this. Um, most of their attire were these long robes that went down to the ground. And if you had to be active, you would bind those up to you so that you could move with a quick pace. You, you could move, you wouldn't trip over that. You had to be ready. Listen to this, and this is not on the computer. I added this this morning. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, so it's not going to be on the screen behind you. It is working again. That's great. Um, Not their fault, by the way. If it goes to blue screen, it is never their fault. It's just we're portable. We plug things in and out. 
on Sundays and sometimes it just breaks. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Today, not tomorrow, is dealing with the issues that you are very aware that are going on in your life, but you think, I'll deal with it later. The problem is, later almost never comes. We sit there waiting for some scenario that will make it easier for us to deal with these things that are going on instead of literally casting off these things that are overwhelming us. Hiding them. And then verse 37 it says, Blessed are those servants who the Master finds awake when He comes. Truly I say to you, and this is, This, I had to read so many, this is just a baffling text right here. So the picture is, we're the servant waiting for the master to come home from a wedding feast. And the imagery is here is that we're waiting, we're not sure when he's going to come home, but blessed are those that are aware and ready to open the door to him when he comes to the door. And then there's this text right here, which I, 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 I'm not going to fully explain it. I'm just going to let, I'm just going to open it up to you, and I'm going to tell you a little bit of what I think. But it says, "Blessed are those servants whose master finds them awake when he comes." Okay, picture what I just said. It says, "Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. He, the master, and have them, the servant." recline at table, and he will come and serve them. The Master. I know we've already seen this. We talked about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. We know that he did not come to be served, but to serve. But this is the imagery that he's saying. The preparation. That he comes and he finds us ready He prepares himself for service, reclines us at table. And he'll serve us. Verse 38 says, If he comes in the second watch or the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. The second watch, if I remember correctly, is up till midnight. The third watch is uh, midnight to 3 a.m. So we're not sure when he's coming, but it's going to be late. And let me just tell you, we're over 2,000. Don't let me get doing math up here in front of you. It's never good. We're over 2,000 years that Jesus had left here telling us, I will return. It is definitely in the third watch. It is late, and it's very easy for us to go... You know, we got plenty of time. It's already been over 2,000 years. We got time. Are you sure about that? And this, this is, I, I promise you, at the end of this message, I'm not giving you a date of when Jesus is returning. Because I don't know, and no one else does. But 
we are called to be ready. Like he is returning. I think some of us have forgotten that at one day, whether it be his return or our death, our life will end and we'll see face to face to Jesus. Verse 39, it says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at the hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. That's right. A people prepared don't get broken into. Think about this. Just let's, let's sit on this for just a second. A people that are diligent with their life, not procrastinating, not putting off things that they know that they should be doing, but are diligent. They're, they're very difficult for someone to take advantage of because they're aware. But when we sit around slacking, not doing the things that we should do, doing the things that we know we shouldn't do, putting ourselves in a position of weakness where the robber can come, kill, steal, and destroy, which he is around. There's a robber in this world still trying to destroy us. And he's not a president. A people prepared don't get broken into. How prepared are you? How diligent are you with your life? Are you opening yourself up for a stronghold to be made, for access to your heart to be had? Verse 31. I love Peter. Love Peter. 41, it says, Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Like maybe he's telling it for them because it's not us. He would he knows we're going to be ready, although we see that they're not quite ready when they run off when Jesus gets arrested. And the Lord said, ignoring that question, the Lord said, "Who when who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time?" Remember the anxiety he Prepare. He gives us what we need when we need it, when we trust in Him. And that's not a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that, you know, if you do all the right things, God's going to load your bank accounts. He'll just provide for you what you need in that moment. It says in 43, it says, Blessed is that household to give, <clears throat> sorry, blessed is that servant who his master will find doing. When he comes, truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and begins to eat and drink and get drunk. Why are they doing these things? Remember back to childhood. How many of you, and if this was you, I'm sorry. How many of you would walk downstairs with mom and dad sitting there in the kitchen, open the refrigerator and bust out a miner? 
a Budweiser, a beer, or whatever, and just start drinking it in front of your parents. Like, if you did that, don't raise your hand. I'm sorry that that was the household that you were in. But most of us, like, I would never walk downstairs and grab one of my dad's beers and be like, Dad, because I would get whooped. That's the reality. But if dad's not there, if the house is empty, how many of us, don't raise your hands, did things that other people, you didn't want them to find out at your house while your parents aren't there? How many? Don't raise your hand. Lots of you. Why? Because you didn't think you would get caught. Not many of us, although if we think properly, we do it in front of God all the time. We are in his living room everywhere we go. We are in his presence everywhere we are. We aren't hiding from him, although we might be hiding from everyone else. He is there. See, they, the servant, has taken charge of something that didn't belong to them any longer. The moment you say yes to Jesus, I'm yours, you become his possession. You become the servant, not the master anymore. Masters take charge of things. Servants who try to take charge of things that aren't theirs are like those that are beating the male and female servant. Why are they doing that? Because they think he's not coming back. Anytime soon, they can do whatever they want. See, we don't want to live like the master, although we, we try very diligently. We need to live as the servant. Verse 46 says, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour that he does not know and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Verse 47, And the servant who knows his master will, master's will but did not get ready and act accordingly to his will will receive a severe beating. One of the scariest things that I do is stand up here and try to teach you guys. James 3 says that teachers will be judged more strictly. You know, you wonder why Jesus was so harsh with the Pharisees, because they should have known. It terrifies me that I would get up here and say words to you. Because I understand that the magnitude, the weight, the severe beating that... I'm left to if I do this incorrectly. It's scary. So the truth of this, many of us in this room know and love Jesus, and we know and we know very well the things that He doesn't want us to be involved with. He doesn't want us to do. He thinks He wants us to do that we're not doing, but we intentionally don't. Why? I think it's because you think you have time to correct those bad habits. But think about all the damage that's being done right now by those bad habits. We need to live like Jesus is going to return soon. We don't know that we have time to correct all the issues that we have. Why not deal with them now? And for those that don't know the Bible very much, 48 is for you. It says, but the one who did not know 
If you think, oh, like you're going to stand before Jesus and go, like, I didn't know. Sorry. And did what deserved a beating will receive a lighter beating. You're not getting out of it. The last part of that verse. Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand more. Church, we live in one of the most wealthy countries in the world. You live at a standard, even if you're at poverty here in Brunswick County, you live at a standard that is well above everyone else in the world. God has given us much freedom. God has given us much money. God has given us much free time. Imagine all the time that we have, which you may feel like you have none. Like there's some countries, there's some places that they work 12 hours a day, seven days a week, come home to eat and sleep and go back to it just so they can survive. We have been given much and much will be demanded of us. Church. And I don't end that statement with going, if you just gave us more money. I honestly, and this is probably bad of me to say, I don't care if you give anything to this church. Because if you give things to this church because you think it's going to help your position in the kingdom or with Jesus and that's all you do, you're in trouble. Why God has put us here, God has put me in this city for this reason. Like I, I want us to be moved to do something about it. See, God uses conviction to move us to action. And my, my whole point today is just, my one thing was today, not tomorrow. There's some things today that I believe that the Holy Spirit who is in this room is already convicting you of. That's already weighing on you. And you can ignore it and go back to business as usual and you can continue to ruin aspects of your life, continue to put off things. Or you can deal with them. Not be perfect. I don't think anybody in this room today is going to change their life so radically that they will become perfect and have no more issues, okay? No one, including this guy. But our effort is to strive. Because if we're diligent in going, at any moment, Jesus may return. And I'm telling you, you want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm not sure many of us in this room are going to hear that. We may get in. And this isn't like, hey, you do everything right and you get into heaven, you do everything wrong, you don't get into heaven. This is surrender to Jesus. I think these people that are, that are getting beaten are still getting into the kingdom. Now, you can debate me on that. I'm not 100%. But, but I want... When I'm standing before Jesus, because of all of our arrogance and all of our, you know, our wiggling out of things and all of our what we would tell other people when we're trying to tell them how good we are as believers will be gone. 
when we stand before Jesus. And he will see through us and know our heart purely. And I want to get to a place when that happens that I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And let me, let me confess something. This may make you feel worse. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's me right now. Just to be honest, there's so many things in our lives that we're unwilling to allow God into, that he wants, so that he he can use us. There's a freedom that comes when we surrender ourselves to a loving, merciful God. And, hear, hear this, there's a freedom when we choose to follow. There's a freedom when we choose to say, God, what you tell me is the best thing for me, regardless of how difficult it may seem, regardless of how much pain it may bring in the doing. I want us as a church to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, but you won't hear that procrastinating a life with Jesus. For the young ones in this room, I've had this argument with people, kids. I'm later, you know, I'm, I'm young, I got time. In a series, in, in, in a six-month period as a youth pastor, I, I did three funerals of 18-year-olds. Every one of them thought they had time. It was the most gut-wrenching thing in my life because they were all boys. Noah was very young then. And I remember leaving one of the funerals and having dinner with my wife. Um, it was like two or three days before my birthday, and so we went to eat afterwards. I remember just crying at the table, thinking, that father is never going to see his son again. Emotional Sunday, I don't know why. I want you to take advantage of the moment. Because right now is the only thing that you're guaranteed. Right now. And what I want to do, I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And we do this. If you're, if you're new um, to Reach, thank you for being here. Uh, we close all of our service with a song. And that is not so that we keep you here another four or five minutes. The song is here so that you have a few moments when I'm not talking to deal with what the Holy Spirit may be asking of you. And this is a great moment where you go, God, I'm not there, but I want to. I need your help. That's all He wants from us. He doesn't want us to go, God, I'll do better. He wants, Father, I surrender. Because in our surrender, we have the option of doing better. So I encourage you, church, to take advantage of these next few minutes that we have. The conviction that you feel inside, allow the Holy Spirit to expand that. Allow the Holy Spirit to deal with what's going on. There, I'm sure, needs to be some confession in this room. 
of going, God, yes, I know I'm aware of this thing in my life that needs to go, and I want to lay it at your feet and do it. And remember, here, you're not alone. Every single person in this room is struggling with something, trying to be better, and I want to tell you, we need each other. And if that's what you need today, find me after service. There's prayer after worship in that back corner. If you need someone just to agree with you as you say, you don't have to give details. You can just say, I need Jesus. Can you pray for me? We'd love to help you today. So I'm going to pray. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do with us right now. Let's pray. Jesus, I don't want people, including me, moved by emotion. I want people moved by the power of the living God through the Holy Spirit. So where emotion may move us to something for a moment, the power of the Holy Spirit moves us for eternity. So Lord, we surrender to the work and power of the Spirit. Lord, for those in this room that haven't surrendered, that haven't laid their life down to you yet, but they're at this place right now where they just need you desperately, Lord, I pray that you would have an encounter with them. I pray that you would change hearts, that you would redirect people's attention to you. Lord, we declare that you are going to turn and that we need to be ready. Help us be a people prepared, longing for your return, longing for you to come and set things back. But Lord, we understand that you have work for us to do in these days for those that don't know you. Give us a vision and a heart for those that need you. So Lord, we close this time in worshiping the only one that is worthy of worship. You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.